When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. In this episode, we start out with Clark Stinks. I can't wait. I'm also going to attempt to make the mundane exciting when I talk about something called strategic imports. I'm excited for it. I will make economics exciting or if you're having trouble sleeping i will put you right to sleep but clark stinks clark.com slash clark stinks is something we've done for more than 20 years because i think it's really important when we're all in this together and i'm just a guy that you have an opportunity to share with me where you feel i'm not doing my job well i'm not doing my job right or I could be more accurate with something I've said. Or there are times people said, hey, Clark, don't like how opinionated you're getting on this. And that's why I want you, when you hear something that doesn't ring true or right with you, take the time to go post at clark.com slash clarkstinks. And then you might hear Krista read what you're saying right here on the podcast. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. Are you really a saver? In a recent podcast, you talked about how great a deal the manufactured diamonds are. They're they're so perfect, but so much less expensive than a dug out of the ground diamond. And you got such a great deal for $1,800 for your wife's earrings. Well, I'm sure she really appreciated them. I can't believe a cheapskate like you spent that much on something with such little actual value. If they were created for industrial use to create something useful, then maybe they would be worth that much. Otherwise, they're just trinkets. Our wedding ring set cost us only $375, and I thought that was too much. But hey, if it gives you both pleasure, then I guess there's value in that. But to me, not worth $1,800. I'd rather give the money to charity. Signed, Confused. Confused. Okay, so... I'm with you about the jewelry thing. I mean, until I got my Aura Fitness Tracker that I use as my wedding band, my wedding band was a $10 wedding band. I mean, I'm, I'm like that. But my wife is a real pleasure for her. She loves jewelry. And I save three quarters of what I make. And so if, if I want to do something nice for her on a special occasion or her birthday or whatever i i do it and so gosh it's weird i'm feeling guilty about no, having no reason to and you give plenty to charity earrings. you give more than anyone can imagine to but charity. you don't need to you don't need well, to apologize not for happy me. with confused but it's okay Go ahead. no no i mean his or her point because you know assuming it's, it's a guy oh it is a guy no i don't know i'm just assuming um is that 
if you're going to be very careful with every dollar you spend, you're careful with every dollar you spend. And my philosophy is that it's not about living an austere life. It's about living on much less than what you make. So you have the freedom to make the choices you wish to with your money. And so getting something nice for my wife is something that is important to me and I wish to do. I'm a longtime listener and big fan of the show. But when Clark mispronounced Synchrony Bank so badly, he caused me to spit Arizona iced tea all over the desk. I always say Synchrony and it's Synchrony. 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 I caused, I spit my Arizona iced tea all over the dash of my 200,000 mile paid for vehicle. Come on, (laughs) Captain Howard. Details matter. You owe us 20 pushups for each time you've mispronounced it. Thanks for your service from a former cavalry officer. All right. Well, former cavalry officer, thank you so much for your service to our great nation. And I remember I did a hundred pushup challenge for charity years ago, and I actually injured my right shoulder. doing a hundred push-ups and so i guess i'm not a very good soldier that i injured this right shoulder doing a hundred push-ups clark i love you like a big brother and feed off your superior wisdom every evening while commuting so you can understand i was shocked at how naive your explanation was for various municipalities passing anti-airbnb laws when you used as an example a full-time resident in a condo complex getting upset with new people moving into their neighboring unit every few days well i'm sure that anecdote is common i've researched this problem and found the strongest forces behind the anti-airbnb laws are the hotel lodging and restaurant lobbies what these groups have done to tourism on the island of oahu alone is despicable hotel rates have never been higher traffic is pure gridlock to locations that lack hotels but previously enjoyed lots of private vacation choices minimum rent times are up to 90 days giving consumers for normal length vacations no options for reasonably priced vacations and that's from lance lance thank you yeah there's no doubt that the hotel motel associations around the United States and their equivalent overseas have seen Airbnb and its competitors as a direct threat to their financial health. And they have engaged in what are known as AstroTurf campaigns. AstroTurf campaigns are fake grassroots campaigns to try to put in restrictions to eliminate competition. And that is 100% accurate that the hotels are astroturfing. So to my knowledge, restaurants have not been unhappy about Airbnb. They've actually, in tourist-oriented areas, restaurants have actually been happy about Airbnb and VRBO bringing in more potential mouths for them to sell meals to. It is all about the money in this case. The thing is, is that there have been, as you've very properly pointed out a lot of these restrictions have come about because of the strength and the money of the contributions to politicians of the hotel lobby but there's also been a clear trend in the hawaiian islands with homeowners associations locking out short-term rentals and this has been true in many resort areas because people have liked the places they're at where they're empty most of the time and so they're pretty quiet And then people turn those empty units into revenue producers. And suddenly you got all these transients coming through. And a lot of condominium developments and homeowner associations have not been happy about that. 
and they pass their own restrictions. That's why when I've talked about this, I've said the economics need to work from an investor standpoint that you can make money on a property, long-term rental, that your whole business plan cannot be based just on you being able to make money as an Airbnb or VRBO renter. I know you're tired of talking about real estate prices, but I apply your reversion to mean philosophy. I think you are right. Jumps in stocks and housing self-correct after a boom. You will see a 10 to 20% drop in housing by the start of 2023. Why? There are 5 million unoccupied houses out there. Many were bought during the pandemic at low interest rates, and with inflation, these will be harder for the owners to support, and they will flood the market. Also, there is only so much a person or family can afford to spend on housing. This number is shrinking due to the economy. So when interest rates go up, prices must come down. Buying power is dropping, and this will feed the reversion to mean. You don't stink, Clark, but your glasses are a little bit rosy, Jerry. Jerry, um, I wish there were 5 million empty, unoccupied houses. I mean, you're describing the situation we had 15 years ago that led to the cratering of the housing market, the wave of foreclosures, uh, the homelessness problem that to, I mean, all these people that are homeless, it's such an upsetting thing all over the country. We don't have conditions similar to 15 years ago, and we don't have a lot of spec-built empty houses right now. I'm sure there are some that these Wall Street investors have bought in bulk that are sitting there unoccupied, but their goal is to occupy them with renters and not to have them sit empty. And when you look at reversion to mean in the housing market, it works differently than the stock market because most owners of homes become reluctant to sell during a um, softer market. And I think we're going to see softness in the housing market. And in some localized areas, we may see some declines in home prices. But overall, what happens is housing prices kind of tread along for a good while as people's incomes catch up to what's happened with home prices because people in a house have specific economic incentive to stay there and not move. I mean, we talked about you, Krista, you've got a 1.78% mortgage. 1.875. 1.875. Sorry. Not quite that low. Flip my numbers (laughs) backwards. 1.875% 15-year fixed rate mortgage. I mean, you are not going to move. You're going to stay in that house because you've locked in this ultra low cost and you bought the house what seemed really expensive when you bought it now seems so affordable. And there are lots of Christas out there that have mortgages at very, very low rates, and they're going to stick in that house, stay in that house. And so the housing market absolutely is going to soften, tread water, but we have no collapse coming. It would take an absolute collapse in our economy. It would take a brutal world war, something like that. Other than that, the housing market will just muddle along for a number of years. You said the Fidelity 2% card is a good card if you already have an account at Fidelity. This simply is not so. You've been saying this for years and I could not take it any longer. (laughs) You do not need to open a Fidelity account to get the card and the cash back. I've been using the Fidelity card for probably 10 years since they first came out. And when I signed up, we did not have an account. I signed up for the card, created a free Fidelity account just for the credit card, and linked to a bank account. Every month or so, we transfer the rewards to our bank, easy peasy, and no prior account. 
Thanks to you, we now also have double cash cards that we love also, and they work similarly. Cheers, Clark. That's from Thomas. Thomas, thank you. Yeah, so technically you're right. You can just uh, simultaneously apply for the card, open a Fidelity account, use as a bridge to move the money out. Fidelity does the 2% cashback cards, though, specifically to attract customers to Fidelity for investments, college savings plans, and Roth IRAs. Whenever Clark talks about HSAs, he states they can be used tax and penalty free for medical expenses. This is certainly true. However, Clark usually fails to mention that at the age of 65, you can take penalty free distributions for any reason. Even though taxes will have to be paid if the expenses are not qualified medical expenses, that basically makes the HSA an additional traditional IRA and removes the fear of overfunding an HSA for those of us that don't expect high medical costs in retirement. And that's from Benjamin. Benjamin, thank you. I never, ever mention that wrinkle of HSAs because when I look at the charts of what the typical unreimbursed medical expenses are of people when they're 65 and older, and particularly once they hit 75 and older, that HSA money for most people becomes really, really valuable. You bring up a different point, though, and that is there are a substantial number of Americans that have chosen to retire outside the United States. Portugal has been a really end place of late for Americans to retire. Central American destinations have been. The reason is, is that someone with a modest amount of savings going into retirement can live a middle-class lifestyle off of Social Security and modest other amounts of savings and live a much better lifestyle than they could with that amount of money in the United States. So that's a factor I don't really address as part of the HSAs, but you just did. I'm a big fan of Costco too, but I live 70 miles from the nearest one. With the cost of gas, it is hard to justify going there on a regular basis. We have a local Walmart, but it's old, dirty, and not a good experience. I don't like going there. You never mentioned Target as an alternative to these stores. Why not? I find their prices pretty well in line with Costco and Walmart, and that's from Walter. Walter, thank you. And Target, by its published finances, has a higher markup on its goods than Walmart, and Walmart has a much higher markup than the cost of goods at Costco. So Target is obviously an environment that people find much, much more pleasing than Walmart. I mean, that's just a fact. And it's something that has been a thorn in Walmart's side forever, is that people find the environment of Target much more pleasing, much more appealing. Not to mention that there are a lot of women who just love Target. They can be feeling down and they go to a Target store and just walking around, not even buying anything, somehow they feel better. I don't know what Target puts in the air conditioning system that women feel that way. Are you one of those people? I love Target. Yes. What? What? I don't know. What it's is just it? beautifully I merchandised. From- I mean, they have nice clothes. I like their clothes. Just got a dress there this weekend. So there's just something about it that just, you started smiling right now <laughs> talking about Target. I don't get it. Sorry. I walk in there as a guy and it's just like, oh yeah, she's And I have the store. 5% card there. 5% so you have the red card. Time, yes. Yeah. Okay. okay. 
I don't really think your advice to a caller who unplugged his electrical devices when he went away was wrong, but recently my house was nearly hit by lightning and I lost a TV, garage door opener, laptop computer, my underground internet cable, and a few other items. Even though some of these pieces were on surge protectors, it was inadequate protection against such a large spike. Granted, this is a rare case, but if the equipment was unplugged, they would not have been damaged. So I feel this may be of some interest to your listeners. Some electric suppliers offer whole house surge protectors. And that's from Robert. Robert, thank you. The last two houses that we lived in, we had whole house surge protectors put in. And it was because of this reason. It's not cheap to put in a whole house surge protector. And so maybe the individual who's unplugging things when they go away on a trip is doing it for a factor that I just ignored because I was only thinking about the cost. So I appreciate that because, again, that's why we do Clark Stinks. That's why we're all collectively members of Team Clark, because we all learn from each other. And there are times that I'll give advice that maybe is too linear, and I miss that extra element. That's why we so appreciate it when you take that time to go to Clark.com slash Clark Stinks and post. And coming up ahead... I want to talk about what's happening with world trade, what's going to happen here, and more important, how's it going to impact your wallet and my wallet? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Americans for a while have signaled their discomfort, unhappiness with the trade that we do with communist China. And former President Trump put into place a lot of things referred to as trade war kind of things. The Chinese retaliated against us. And in the Biden administration, they have continued the restrictions on trade with China that the Trump administration had put in. There's obviously a strong consensus in the United States that the thought of a generation that as China became wealthier and wealthier, that they would also adapt more and more freedoms, that it would move not necessarily to a democracy, but steadily more 
Democratic than it had been. Democratic with a small d. Well, obviously, that was wrong. China is now much wealthier than it used to be, um, is the world's, depending on how you measure it, either first or second largest economy. And now freedoms in China are greatly restricted under the current dictator, Xi. So we live in a world that has become more dangerous. We have countries in the world that wish us harm. And we are going into a new era with trade. What turned out to be naive, and I've always been an ardent free trader because I only looked at it from the raw economics of it, that free trade ultimately creates more wealth for the world. And if you look at it just from economics and you look at the whole world, the last 35 years oriented around free trade have led to a huge lift of people out of extreme poverty around the world. At the same time, it's led to the hollowing out of a lot of our manufacturing sector in the United States as others were able to manufacture cheaper or more efficiently than us. And it's been had brutal consequences in a lot of states in the Midwest. And so now we're in a full reassessment on a political level, militarily, and economically. Not just us. This is happening around the world, a full reassessment. And it's clear that the unfettered free trade system that the world used for roughly two generations is coming to an end. And what you're going to see is not necessarily that we domestically produce goods that we've been buying from overseas. But what you're going to see is you're going to see a very haphazard effort to do trade with friendly countries and what we identify as friendly countries at a particular time. And you're going to see these trade alliances where we decide these are our friends, these are not our friends, and it will make the production of goods around the world, the movement of goods less efficient but it's almost certainly a necessary thing because of the geopolitical risk we face now from the Chinese and others that wish us harm. So there are all kinds of terms economists are using for this. Offshoring, friendshoring. Uh, offshoring was an old one that companies would use as a way to tell their workers, hey, you know, we've loved having you at our factory and wherever, but we're offshoring your job. Bye. It's really going to become a new series of alliances, and there will be more supply chain creation in the United States specifically and in other countries. We're going to do both. And it will mean that things will not drop in price as quickly as they would have in the past. We're going to see changes in how supply chains actually do function because it is very risky for us to depend on countries for key components 
Think about what we've been through. My goodness, with $1 chips that have kept $40,000 vehicles sitting in fence lots, not being able to be delivered to a customer because they're missing a $1 chip that's made who knows where in the world. So you're going to see more and more effort to build things here in the United States and in friendly countries where there will be those that we've got such a good alliance with politically and economically that they will be, quote unquote, our friends, our allies, and that's who we will produce with. It is not as economically efficient as just allowing the full libertarian thing that I'm so into with economics, but has proven, again, I have proven to be naive, and it is going to be a different era. Trade will change, and we will adapt. This is the thing, and you've heard me say this if you've been listening over the last several years. I talk about how good we as human beings are at adapting to circumstances. And it's not like change is automatically one thing or another. Change always happens, and we will figure out how to adapt. We will also use a lot more robotics. That's absolutely part of the future of us being able to produce goods here at a cost effective to overseas. Because remember, what is the element that you eliminate when you produce, let's just take North America, you produce in Mexico, Canada, or the U.S. You eliminate an enormous part of the shipping costs, the time lost to shipping and the cost lost to shipping, particularly with goods made far away in Asia. When you cut that whole part of the supply chain out, You create more efficiencies, being able to build in North America, and you eliminate the risks involved with somebody tactically or strategically deciding, you know what, we're not supplying that to the United States because we're going to be able to put a world of hurt on them. So it's going to be different moving forward, and it means we may not have the absolute cheapest price we might have had on this item, that item, or the other item. But it's going to be a cost of doing business for our national security and those of countries that are with us versus those that wish us harm. And Krista, I know that I just trended really close, right skirted right on the edge of the political thing that we don't do on this podcast. Mm -hmm. There's no way to talk about what's going on with supply chains without it kind of bleeding just a touch. And I hope there's not things I said that you took deep offense to. And you may have a very different perspective. And I'd love for you to hear that by you posting. Let's go to some questions. This is from Matt in California. The city double cashback credit card you tout has a 3% foreign transaction fee. Why don't you state that as a negative? Do you know of any 2% cashback cards that don't have a foreign transaction fee? So I haven't found any, and we've looked. We found a lot that are 1.5% cashbacks. And, you know, that is really an oversight on my part because 
when I travel outside the U.S., I never take the city double cash because of the big foreign currency junk fee. And there are more and more cards that don't charge a foreign currency junk fee. What it is, is it makes every dollar equivalent you spend worth only 97 cents. And it's just a made-up fee by, uh, in this case, Citibank is just ripping you off, which is funny because Citibank is the most international of all U.S. banks, and they put this gotcha in their cart. So we do have a list of cards with no foreign currency transaction fees, but the best in terms of cash back, one and a half percent, if I recall. I like, honestly, I use my Costco card, which has no foreign transaction fees. But you only got one percent. That's also But I eat out mostly when I'm um, in a foreign country in restaurants. And so you got three percent cash back. So even better. So you're paying no foreign currency transaction fee on the city Costco visa. Right. And you're getting 3% cash back on restaurants. You get 3% on hotels too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's an alternative. But again, you're only getting 1% elsewhere. So you could have a 1.5% card with no foreign transaction fees. And the costs go for the things where you get the 3% cash back. This is from Roland in Arizona. I just want to thank you for the article, Five Things Most Americans Don't Know About Social Security. My wife has been drawing Social Security since 2019, and to our surprise, it wasn't very much. So when I read the article about spousal benefits, I contacted our local office to see if she qualified. Come to find out, they originally made a mistake when calculating her benefits, and she also qualified for spousal benefits. To make a long story short, we received $19,000 in retroactive pay in our account the next day, and her future benefits have doubled. Had I not read the article, this probably would not have happened. Wow. Okay. Another one for (laughs) Clark.com. Isn't that great? So just so you know, with Social Security, Social Security is a really complicated program, And when it comes your time to apply for Social Security, it's really good to use one of the tools out there. There are many of them available where I like MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com, but there are competitors as well. That one's 40 bucks to use. And it runs through your personal scenario, exact personal scenario, and tells you what you're entitled to and what your best claiming strategy is so that you do, in fact, maximize the benefit you get from Social Security. And that article was written by Craig, one of our great writers. Craig is a great journalist who's been with us a long, long, long time. How long has Craig been with us now? Great, great guy. I'm not sure the exact number of years, but not long enough because he's so awesome. Okay, and from Lily in Texas, I live in Dallas and every gas station I passed yesterday in the DFW area has gas prices all exactly the same price in the suburbs and the city. I said to myself, if I spot two more gas stations on the way home at that same price, I'm writing to Clark. This can't be a coincidence. It seems prices are slightly different all around town typically. They are. In fact, in most metro areas, you'll find right now with today's record high gas prices that there will be a difference of typically as much as a dollar a gallon from the cheapest station in area to the most expensive. And that is a crazy, crazy thing you're talking about that one after another, after another, after another, charging the exact same price per gallon. I haven't experienced that but I've not driven around 
the Dallas-Fort Worth area lately to be able to give any indicator on that. I would like you to get on Gas Price Watch and Gas Buddy and see what people are reporting right now for gas prices around you in Dallas-Fort Worth and see if maybe you just happen to drive on a very unlucky corridor where people are keeping the prices maybe artificially high right now. And the good thing about gas, it goes in cycles, and this has been a really bad, ugly cycle, made much worse by the war in Ukraine. And eventually, as has always happened with gas prices, when it feels like they're never coming back down to earth, when we least expect it, things do get better. And I know a lot of people are in the midst of starting their summer vacations, and I'm taking next week off. That's right. I'm taking a vacation week, so we'll have no new podcast next week. I hope that you have just the most wonderful week next week while I'm off having a great time.